Alright, I am recording on my end. Podcast ain't played, nobody. Let's hurry it up. Uh, Richard, I'm going to put 30 minutes on the clock, okay? And as soon as I put 30 minutes on the clock, I'm going to ask you, did you think that Georgia Notre Dame was boring? Are you ready? One, two, three, 30 Go. minutes on the clock. I didn't think it was boring. Um, I kind of did because I like, I think the difference is I, the difference is when you watch that same game with LSU and Alabama, you're like, sure. You're watching extremely high level play with 22 draft picks on the field at, at any given time. Right. That's not exactly what I gleaned from last night. Okay. Um, That's fair. I, I think on Georgia's end, more than anything, on Georgia had a chance to choke the life out of that game, and they didn't do that. Um, whether that's because Notre Dame actually found some life after 50 minutes of the game, or Georgia just doesn't really know how to shut the door effectively, you know, we can go on to uh, you know Kirby not uh, Kirby kicking that field goal and not trying to go for it on that fourth down, whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, Georgia should have should have shut the door on that game. Three straight, three and outs um, of Notre Dame. They ran like 22 plays to Georgia's eight in the third quarter. Mm -hmm. Like, that is shut down, let's go home type stuff, especially after that interception late. Um, But Georgia did not step on the throat. They didn't. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through uh, the very top of college football. We're going to do two tiers. This is how I've decided to do this. And I'm going to throw out some teams at the end that I have no idea what to do with. And we're going to be honest at PAPN because here's the deal. No one else has any idea what to do with these teams in in (laughs) terms of context. And when I get to them, I doubt anyone's going to argue me. Okay, tier one is Clemson, Alabama, LSU, and Ohio State, as well as Oklahoma, who's on a bye, and Georgia that we mentioned just now. They beat Notre Dame 23-17 betwixt ye old hedges. Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State smashed everybody that they needed to, right? Easy wins all around. Not a whole lot to say about beating Charlotte or Southern Miss. LSU, we can talk a little bit about that in a second if we want to. 66 points. It was a conference game. It was at Vandy. I was there. There were a lot of players on LSU's defense that were injured or got injured, and there was not – I'll put it this way. I know everybody's looking at that number – 14 of those points were on offense from turnovers, so it wasn't that bad for LSU's defense, but there was not an urgency to get those guys to, like, an Alabama game level. So just just keep that in mind. Yeah, uh, shout-out Clemson for not winning that game by more than 42 points. <clears throat> Clemson played 111 players in that game last night. I'm pretty sure Trevor Lawrence was out of that game before halftime. He was, like, 7 of 9 with, like, two touchdowns or something, like, absurd, and they just pulled him. Like, they were down to the third quarterback by the end of the game. I think both Dabo's sons played. Kirk Herbstreet's sons probably played. That, that's, um, oh, that's that's exactly how you, you check and see when it's time to turn the game off with Clemson. Is it, do, you, do you see a Venable, a Sweeney, or a Herbstreet? Yeah, or, or Chase Bryce. Um, Clemson, Clemson towards the end of that game was still like going for it. Like I'm freaking out because, you know, Clemson's up 42 points. I need them to not win that game by more than 42 points. And they're like driving, like trying to score at the end of that game for the backups. Obviously it's great to have the backups go in there, play well and and potentially get a touchdown or what have you. Dabo said after the game, those guys, you know, those guys got in the game for Clemson and, and nobody can ever take it away from them. That, that is a really cool thing. Absolutely. 
Uh, again, not a ton to say about Ohio State yet. It's been a sort of a recurring theme. It really is just sort of uh, like hell. There's nothing to say about Ohio State. They scored 11 touchdowns in a row. It's all context to me right now. I don't know, and, and this is just sort of to look at tier one. Here's what I know about Ohio State: a top line playoff caliber team, which is how we define tier one. I have not seen a level of competition yet to where I can understand Ohio State, and that's the beauty of creeping out of September and into October. That's why Georgia's on this list. We know definitively that Georgia's on this list, even though they did not look impressive in any of the ways that we expected against Notre Dame. And it's also why Notre Dame's not on this list. So, yes, Ohio State, war machine offense. I have no idea how good you actually are. It's all about context. And honestly, same thing about Alabama. But we know that they're good. Shout out to Oklahoma, by the way, because we're not going to know until Texas. So, tier two. (laughs) This is tier two. Wisconsin. You're so close to Tier 1, man. It's not me. I was just about to say, if, if anybody's going to jump to Tier 1, it's Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Auburn, Texas, Oregon, and because this is uh, this is my podcast, I'm putting Boise in here, and Notre Dame. <laughs> all right? So with the exception of Notre Dame, those teams, again, Wisconsin, Auburn, Texas, Oregon, and Boise, all had statement wins in conference play. All looked good, respective to the conference opponent. Uh, Boise beat a pesky Air Force team, and honestly, I don't care. I invented Murder Smurfs, and uh, they're in there because I say they are, damn it. Uh, and I will say this. I, I think there may be some Notre Dame fans that, look, if you're a Notre Dame fan and you listen to this podcast, more power to you. But look, I think there may be some Notre Dame fans that may want to say, look, we hung tough with Georgia, we, we competed with Georgia, all that kind of stuff. I Like, you don't get participation points if you're at this level. Right. If you want to be playoff good, if you, like... There's there's no there's no partition medal or participation medals here for second place. Either you win the game, or you don't. Um, we're gonna talk about Wisconsin in a second. Obviously, kind of more in the Michigan context. Sorry, guys. Um, it's such a thin cutoff, but I I have to have one where because we are still in late September, Richard. I think you'll agree. You have the known superpower quantities who have not shown fatal weaknesses yet, right? And that's tier one. Tier two are all of the teams I think could get in there if things happen, right? Okay, so again, one more time, just in your head, Wisconsin, Auburn, Texas, Oregon, Boise, and then Notre Dame with one loss because they're Notre Dame. Now, I don't know what to do with the following teams. Okay, I like them. Uh, I, I watch them. I don't know what the context is. And for whatever reason, I think everyone on here with the exception of SMU and Virginia have losses, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And that's okay. We're going to figure it out, and we'll probably know a little bit more in three weeks. Washington, it's basically the Pac-12. Washington State, I was just, just gonna Southern say it's, Cal, it's the Pac-12. <laughs> Utah, <clears throat> Washington, Cal, oh, also undefeated, shout out. Cal, baby. SMU, and Virginia. Let's, hold on, let's let's quickly do this. I'm just going to run down the Pac-12 standings by overall record mm-hmm. here. Uh, basically, everybody's either 1-0 or 0-1 in the conference, right. uh, except for USC. Okay, uh, Pac-12 North Division, Cal 4-0, Oregon 3-1, Oregon State 1-2, Washington 3-1, Washington State 3-1, Stanford 1-3. Yes. The returns, they are diminished. Pac-12 South, Colorado 3-1, UCLA one and three, uh, USC three and one, of course. Arizona two and one, Arizona State three and one, Utah three and one. What do you do with that? I don't know. I don't know. But I just want like I, I, I don't want to act like I can categorize past obviously elite and 
sort of charging at the gates. After that, I don't know if we're even supposed to create this much context because I think it's sort of a foolhardy endeavor. So here's what I know. It's all just kind of churn. It's all just churn. Yeah. And so what I want to say is like, it, it isn't just those two tiers. There are other good teams to watch. I think you're lacking something. I don't even know what it is yet. Again, I'm being totally honest. But again, Wazoo, USC, Utah, Washington, Cal, SMU, and Virginia. Now, the last three of those teams, they are undefeated. Okay? Cal beat Washington. But I like you. I think you're going to have a good season. I don't know what you are yet. So, there, so, so those are your like, three tiers. We're, we're past, I think we're past, I think we're past the first date with this tier. Um, this this Wazoo Cal etc. We're past the first date. We're probably past the second date. Yeah. I think we've told our friends about them, um, and and we're definitely open to more dates. But it's kind of like you know who knows what's gonna happen. Right. Okay. Uh. So so that's it. That's your that's your large scale picture. Um. I'm gonna throw in a quick G5 roundup, and then we're gonna talk about the things that you need to know. You need to know about what happened this weekend. Uh. The group of five. Southern Methodist University. Uh, Bud was high on TCU. I was high on TCU. Sexy uniforms, by the way. Wow, SMU. Um, again, I, I I'm I'm gonna say it. SMU and Cal are next to each other, and that I don't know what to do with you, but you're good tier. Maybe the best divorce I've ever seen in college football. Sunny Dykes <laughs> and Cal. It continues to pay out that way because Sunny Dykes is now going to run SMU possibly to the top of the American Athletic Conference. I did not see that coming. Um, you know, I don't know if I want to necessarily connect these two narratives, but you are looking at what's going on in Arkansas with Chad Morris. And I don't, we're going to figure out who's actually authoring that shit show. I don't want to hang it on, <laughs> I don't want to hang it on Chad yet, but it is interesting to see how good SMU looks under Sonny Dykes. Now, uh, best of the, best of the G5 right now, SMU beat TCU. That's the number one thing I just want to say. It's amazing. It's, it's better than my murder smurfs. Also, uh, we get to talk about Central Florida now. Yeah, you want us to talk about them? I will say this: I didn't know what TCU was going to do. I mean, it's particularly after shutting, you know, Rondale Moore down last week. I, I didn't, and a you know, a shorthanded Purdue. I didn't really know how TCU was going to come out in this game, and obviously they came out in this game, uh, seeding points. I did not get a chance to to watch any of this. Um, except for like the last like minute and a half or what have you. Mm-hmm. But obviously SMU put up a ton of points, looked really good doing it, uh, with the uniforms. Yeah, I mean Yeah. All right. Um, so my my G five best right now, Boise, SMU, probably still UCF, I guess. And then also just as a quick note, uh Dana's one and three. I mean UCF like you can't spot even pit twenty one points. I mean, even Pitt. Also, Dana. I'm Dana. I, like, Dana, I'm gonna call yeah. you, buddy. Uh, they love you down there, Dana. And th- you've got you've got the longest leash I've ever seen at Houston, bro. You can't go one and three. <laughs> Shout out. You can't give up a fucking youth football play to Tulane. All right, there's your big picture in college football, as best as we can figure it the hell out. Um, let's just get into Michigan. Uh, I'm not going to be glib. I'm not going to be glib. I'm not going to be glib. And I'm not going to forget about Wisconsin. Okay. I'm no, not going to forget about but... Wisconsin because let me tell you something. When you take 26 offensive linemen and you go into a goal line package like they did, I counted. It was exactly 26 plus a quarterback. I, um, it is a rock. Look, look, this is the Michigan mea culpa. I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, all right, let me back up then. 
You started the week very high. Why? I started the week very high in Michigan's offense because I thought Michigan's offense had fixable issues with blitz pickup and with fumbles. Those are things you can fix. It's you block this guy and it's ball security at some point in time. Fumble luck with our dearly departed Bill Connolly. He will tell you the ball is oblong. The ball is geometrically stupid. The ball will not bounce for the other team all the time. Um, On offense, Michigan started out okay. They had that 75-yard drive. They fumble at the end of it. They had the really nice catch with, I believe, Donovan Peoples-Jones. That replay overturned. And then that drive clunked out. Like, I'm I'm not going to sit here and make any excuses for Michigan's offense. The balance of that game, Michigan's offense couldn't get it done. Shea Patterson, it was like, it was either two reads and done or it was it was either two reads and maybe you pull and run it or two reads or you, you force it there or two reads and then uh, paralysis by analysis happy feet and you know you throw a bad pass or you throw an interception what have you like and then obviously he gets pulled McCaffrey then gets hurt and Shay's back it, it, it was so herky-jerky I think Joe Milton was playing by the end of the game like it was so much stuff more than anything with Michigan that defense was not ready to play yesterday Mm-hmm. There's there's literally no other way to diagnose that issue. Wisconsin did not do anything in that game that they haven't done all season. They've been motioning fullbacks. They've been shifting two linemen to the other side of the formation pre-snap the whole season. What I think Wisconsin did really well on offense, besides obviously running the ball, but like when they're running the ball, Wisconsin was able to say, okay, look, Michigan's going to only play man. That's what they do. So what we're going to do is when we run the ball, we're going to run our wide receivers. And we're going to run these defensive backs that Michigan has on the periphery of the formation out of the play. And we're going to get Jonathan Taylor in space. And Jonathan Taylor is going to be able to make magic. Um, in On the interior, the line of scrimmage, when they start doing that motion, motion, Michigan starts shifting their guys and they start shifting out of the gaps. And they create these just titanic rushing lanes for wisconsin to uh to run into it's like you're giving like wisconsin already on the balance was better physically i think we saw in that game michigan did not at all make it easy on themselves this was 35 14 and it like wisconsin name your score honestly uh let me ask you something both of these coordinators were highly sought after um gaddis in a unique situation with the maryland deal but then also like a lot of people have made a run at Brown before and, and have hired guys like like Bob Shoup ending up at Mississippi State was sort of a move because Moorhead wanted like a, a Brown type defensive coordinator. Yeah, these I mean, are look. sought after. These are sought after coordinators. These are considered to be really respected minds like Gaddis's career was hot. What where I, I'm already seeing them sort of being offered up. And I think that's ridiculous. Well, Look, here's here's the first thing. Um, you know, I shouted out Josh Gaddis last week. He was a minority coordinator of the week. Um, at the end of the day, I think that it's it's one of those things where you start to look at it and you think, okay, what if Mike Loxley had a point mm-hmm. about that play calling spat that they had in the offseason? Who actually called plays at Alabama? Um, who knows? We're keeping an eye on it. On defense. Don Brown, for as brilliant as he is, he's not ever going to dumb down what they do on defense. Yeah. Um, Michigan's going to play defense 
Uh, Michigan's going to play defense the way Michigan plays defense, um, and it doesn't matter who he has. That could be to their detriment this season because maybe they don't have the horses that they've had the last two years. My favorite note uh, involving USC and Utah was because I think you, you captured the spirit of the thing that, quote, USC just really said, fuck it, let's be legends. Um, this was, it looked like, maybe not to the degree in which Florida won against Kentucky last week, but it looked like, oh shit, there is a semi-competent quarterback on the bench we didn't prepare for. Right, and right. We had no idea this guy was going to come in and do this. With Slovis getting hurt and uh, the kid Matt Fink, who's actually a junior, coming in, uh, wow. I mean, I like. I want to say his second or third pass was the touchdown pass. I mean, he was threading immediately and looked really Look, good I, and looked really calm and like, oh, okay. I forgot we, USC benches like really good quarterbacks. We said this about Utah. We said this about Utah. Utah can be stretched. If you can stretch them, you can beat them. Mm-hmm. I didn't exactly think USC was going to be able to do that <laughs> just because of USC's issues. But Fink comes in the game, and, and it's just 50-50 balls the whole game. Yeah. Like, it was awesome. Um, you know, Utah's DBs just couldn't do it on the balance of the entire game. Um, on the other side... Um, on the other side, USC's front was great. USC controlled the line of scrimmage. I know Utah's on its third offensive line combination of the season, which isn't great. Um, Zach Moss gets hurt in that game. Then it becomes a thing. Well, now you're definitely only worried. Um, uh, you're definitely only worried about the quarterback and what the quarterback can do uh, on Utah. I, like Utah has that red zone miscue where they fumble late in the first half, and uh, like. Look, USC played well. USC won the game in a, in a weird circumstance. Um, and it's just, it's Pac-12 shit on a Friday night. The thing that, like, I don't know. The thing I'm most confused about right now is this. USC did not uh, really do much to correct any of the, the bigger issues that we all have with them. The concerns that we have, and, what, and, and I'm talking about just on-field stuff, uh, and the reasons why we think Helton's going to get fired. They were on display against Utah simultaneously I'm looking at USC and thinking, well, you just beat Utah, so it's your path to the conference championship in the Rose Bowl. The question with USC is not, can they do this? Because I think we knew that USC had something like this in the locker, right? Like, at some point in time, the athletes will take over from USC, and they, and you can do something like this. Is that because you of can the win a game like influence? This. I think so, but, but hold on. This, this is the broader point. My question with USC is not, can you do this once? My question with USC is, can you do this three weeks in a row? We, can you put it together three weeks in a row? We are going to find out very, very soon. Um, Richard, uh, just in case you've been screaming at, at this podcast thus far when I did my I don't know what to do with you tier and didn't include Florida, I had to cut no, it. Uh, I had to cut it at some uh, point. You're a hashtag college kicker away from losing a game you should have lost against Kentucky. And you're, you're and you're another new quarterback situation. Okay, said that. Hey, baby. Said that. And four then, four and zero, baby. And then you beat the shit out of Tennessee. I look. I mean, it's. It, what did we say last week? And look, it's another thing where I'm going to look back on last week. We said Florida's going to beat Tennessee. Florida's going to beat Tennessee handily, and we're not going to learn anything about either team. Mm-hmm. Tennessee pulls Garantano uh, for a kid, incidentally from Ocala. Ocala, Marion County, stand up. Uh, they pull Garantano. That guy wasn't terribly good, so they put Garantano back in. Um, 
Tennessee, I, I think it was Wes, Wes Rucker uh, from Vol, Go Vols 24-7 on Twitter. He, like, put it pretty perfectly. Tennessee does not know how to win. Tennessee does not know how to win. When it, when it starts going well, Tennessee cannot carry that yeah. through the balance of a 60-minute game. You do not have to beat Tennessee. Tennessee will beat itself. They, that's that's it. They definitely look like separate units in a lot of different ways. Like even even on defense, it looks like separate groups. Just in terms of like, and this is a broad perception. I'm not trying to inform it like I'm some sort of X and O guy, but like there just doesn't seem to be a lot of communication. Well, I think what what Pruitt wants to do on defense is, and if anything, I think defense is is the more obviously the more complete unit on this team. Which is weird to say, obviously, given what happened at the end of the, the BYU game. I get it. But I, I think that uh, what Pruitt does is obviously pretty interesting with pre-snap looks and post-snap, you know, what they actually run, what they actually do. Um, you know, if we're going to take a unit, obviously the defense is, is much more ahead of the offense. But, you know, if you when you talk to coaches, if you come into a season and the defense is far ahead of the offense, mm-hmm. a coach is not, is, is not going to feel good about his team. That's not good. Right. Um, defense is the thing that can kind of coalesce a little bit easier than offense. Offense, you know, timing, rhythm, reps, all that kind of stuff need to come together. Um, you know, switching it to the Florida side of the equation, it's a grab bag. I think Trask looked good. Trask looked capable. Um, the run game, I think there's some people, I think, kind of in the Florida kind of Twitter sphere. That think, you know, the run game wasn't too good yesterday. There are other people who think the running game was really good yesterday. I don't know. Um, I think the, the, the positive you can take out of that is Trask looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, Florida wins the game 34-3. It could have been worse. Uh, there was a drop touchdown, a definite drop touchdown. And there was another one where uh, a young receiver, Jacob Copeland, drops a pass where he looked like he probably could have scored. Um so you get those two miscues. Uh, there's a turnover in the end zone that Florida had. Trask fumbled, and then they they called it back. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's a herky jerk performance. Florida's obviously the better team. Tennessee doesn't know how to win, and so Florida ends up beating the hell out of them. Um, Florida took care of business, and Florida did what they're supposed to do. But I can't come out of that saying Florida is definitely a good team and definitely de- you know and definitely depends or definitely belongs in our in our third date. Tell your friends about them tier. Um. One minor mea culpa for me, maybe not quite to the heights of your, I think Michigan's going to turn it around, but um, I did say that I expected UAB to drop off because of the, um, they had that bottleneck of uh, being able to recruit over the limits as they came back. A lot of those guys left last year, after last year. So we expected UAB to regress. This has a, this has a connection. UAB won again. Um, they blasted I South Alabama. Wait till you finish this thought. Wait, just wait. They're three and zero now. They've beaten Alabama State, Akron, South Alabama. That's fine. Whatever. Here's their next three: Western Kentucky, Rice, and a very bad Texas San Antonio team. Uh, they will go into the Old Dominion game, who gave Virginia hell yesterday. Um, at six and zero, almost certainly, just just by virtue of just talent on talent comparison. Okay. It's very possible because that game's in Birmingham <laughs> that UAB is 7 and 0 going into a bye and then headed to Neyland. Why yeah, is, baby. Why is this important? Here's why this is important. <clears throat> uh Tennessee's headed into a bye. Aimless uh total quagmire, total crisis mode. When they come back from the bye, they have to deal with 
home games against Georgia and Mississippi State. Then they are at Bama, and they are hosting South Carolina. I thought South Carolina would be the swing game. I'm not sure anymore. I know this. Mississippi State looked to they, they looked to be better in every way that they weren't against K-State at home in a good win against Kentucky. I think Without the quarterback. Exactly. I think Without uh, Thomas Stevens. Schrader's, like, I like that kid. Um, Mississippi State, I, I really like in kneeling now. They're going to lose to Georgia, Mississippi State, and Alabama. I thought Carolina was the swing game. I think oh, UAB is the swing game, and I think they could lose. Look, here's the thing that I have with Tennessee. Um, you know, obviously, you did the reporting that said that you know this is this is the way that film former could kind of take over right. if, if it comes down to that. Here's the other thing. Here's the thing that I, I don't think a lot of people are realizing could also happen. Let's say Tennessee's bad, bad. If I'm Phil, why would I come into a situation where this team is tanked, cratered, lost the locker room, is awful, and I'm not going to be able to get my shine coming home, the balance of the schedule? Could you tell me, Stephen Godfrey, if you know off the top of your head, who the assistant head coach at the University of Tennessee is right now? Is it T? It is one T. Martin, Tennessee legend, 1998 national championship winner. Mm -hmm. So now you have the extremely awkward situation, perhaps, of Phil offering literally his claim to fame, T. Martin, to the Wolves for the balance of Tennessee's schedule. Would he do it? you, I don't know. You want to get awkward? Let's talk awkward. He would do it. <laughs> it wasn't rhetorical. Um, I'm going to run through some of these. Uh, well, actually, let me do this first. Um, you've got a note on Cal. Might be good. This was an awkward finish. It was a bad call. Um, this does not negate Cal going on the road, going into Ole Miss, and, and playing a really good... I mean, honestly, Ole Miss's defense is shit, but Cal's offense looked better than it has in, in what, weeks? All of last year, perhaps? Year, I would literally was going to say years. Cal uh, is good. I think they are going to... I mean, they've already beaten Washington, so I don't, I don't even have to hedge this. They're in the conversation in the North. They're in the conversation for the Pac-12. They're undefeated right now, and a lot of other teams in the Pac-12 are not. Um, yes, it was a bad call. Yes, hashtag Pac-12 refs. Yes, hashtag Pac-12 after dark, even though it was like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, all the- I saw it... Hold on. I saw it live. I didn't see the Zapruders. Yeah. Was it that bad of a call? Pretty bad. Like, I saw it live. I watched it happen. It's pretty bad, and I'm the last person, literally the last person alive to defend his alma mater. Um, it was pretty bad. Now... The ineptitude with which Ole Miss sewed together its fourth quarter to have no timeouts, to be in terrible clock management situation, to end up there is being lost in the wash because they're just screaming about the refs. Also is the fact that Cal won 28-20, to 20, so that would have put you right. at 28-26. to 26, And uh, I don't know how much Ole Miss football anyone's seen, but there's no guarantee that they're hitting that two-point conversion to take it to overtime where their defense had been gashed for most of the day. So Cal is good. I want to do that real fast. Um I'm trying to speed through because I want to spend some time on A&M Auburn. It kind of got lost in the wash yesterday a little bit. Um, also, shout out. I don't have a lot to say about Texas winning. I just want to say that uh, I don't no, nothing that I thought about Texas changed after last night other than the fact but that Texas, they, Texas loses that game every time in the last like seven exactly. years. Exactly. They didn't do any. I don't even think they looked that different from the Texas teams that lost the game, especially the last two years against Oklahoma State. They just didn't lose to Oklahoma State this year. Right. But they're sort of the same thing. So I don't really have any. I mean, part of it's the score. Part of it's the way they play defense. It was like, okay, you just you just were two possessions smarter this time, basically. I'm a, I'm, I am a tad worried about Texas on defense. Texas is trying to run this tight front that, that Iowa State kind of pioneered in the last couple of years with Matt Campbell. Yeah. <sighs> 
All right, we got to go fast now. I don't know. I don't know. We got to go, for we gotta go, go fast. fast now. Um, uh, I'm going to burn this off and just say, hey, look, Arkansas, uh, it's a crater. I don't know who, I, like I said, I don't know who's authoring the crater yet, but it's it's worse than Tennessee. We're just not talking about it that way, which is our fault in the media, I guess. Arkansas 2-12 and 12 against FBS cool schools. That's courtesy of Kevin McGuire of College Football Talk. Uh, Arky spots San Jose State 17 points in the second quarter with this beautiful series. Interception, turnover on downs, punt, interception. Stanford continues to decline uh, 21 to 6. What do you want to say about this real fast? They're not good. Okay. They're, they're not a good football team. Oregon's got a good defense. Oregon should have stepped on the throat with a better offensive performance. Yeah. They didn't. Um, I, I think Oregon should be able to get the rounding of the edges with that offense. I think your defense buys you some time mm-hmm. there. And I do have some trust with Justin Herbert and some of the athletes that they have on that team. Stanford, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't right. know. Uh, no, I do know. They're not good. Real, real fast, Miami's bad. They're just bad. Miami's got to figure out these offensive tackles. Um, they're getting whipped by Central Michigan. We should, by the way, tell them that they beat Central Michigan 17-12 to 12 because it was a game that I completely ignored. Yeah, 17-12, to 12 and like Central Michigan had like nine plays within uh, Miami's like seven-yard line um, and like had like three pass interference, all this kind of stuff. Uh, Miami's average third down distance to go yesterday, third and 12. That's ugly. Illinois, Nebraska, real quick before we get to Auburn A&M. Um... I told you to adjust. We need to be fun. Look, we, we need to be consistent. You won the game. You won the game. Nebraska wins 42 to 38. You won the game. I will say it sh- it really shouldn't have been that close. Like <laughs> Illinois had touchdown drives of 37, 10, and 14, um, which should tell you one thing, and that's Nebraska turnover. Nebraska had like 100 plays. They had like 700 yards of total offense. Um, maybe, he Illinois is, did- maybe he really is getting faster to that UCF point. Yeah, Maybe. honestly, I mean, it's possible. Illinois had some. Illinois had some pretty good havoc. Thirteen tacks for loss. They did what they needed to do. Um, but Illinois was one of eleven on third down. It ain't good. Last minute. Here we go. What do we know about Auburn? What do we know about Texas A and M? Nice win. Good job, Auburn. Um. Yeah. Right. I like. Like. I'm. You know. I'm still talking myself into all what I just said, but like, definitely expected this one to be the fart with the true freshman. And good job, Auburn. Gus, um, Gus will find a freshman, live and die with a freshman, and protect a freshman. Yeah, I look, that Schwartz kid can go, can really, really go um, with Auburn. I like, look, they they got a lead, they kept it. It was a little shaky towards the end there, but hey, you're on the road, you're in conference. All right, um, is Kellen Mond good? I no, because no. he's. No. Is he, is he, ex- he seems to be exceptional in comebacks and junk time. Kellen Mond, me and our buddy Dan Rubenstein were saying this. Kellen Mond will do like three bad plays and then give you one out of nowhere. That's just like, holy shit, where did that come from? But then it goes back to, it, it's, it's the inconsistency. It's the peaks and valleys. And yeah. I'm not even sure the peaks are that high. Um, it, it's definitely, a, it ends up being kind of a mushy thing on a box score or even a drive chart where you can't really tell if he's taking control of A&M, because as he goes, so will go A&M as a Jimbo Fisher team will go. Um, He needs to have exceptional decision-making at the quarterback position. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, I'm not down on a 2-2 A&M. I'm not jumping in on those jokes yet. Um, Really nice win for Auburn. They're 4-0. I did not expect to say that. 
so everybody and their mother said AM's going to be really good. AM's going to be a year away. AM's got a hellish schedule. And AM's won and lost the games that we thought they were probably going to win. I know. Lose. I know. It's not like the internet is always an accurate reflection of life or ever. So I personally, like, again, I thought they had less talent on defense this year than they did last year just by virtue of the cycle. That's all. Like, everything's going fine and right for AM. It was not going to be a switch flipped overnight. All right. Richard, we have a lot to discuss. I will see you midweek um, Wednesday. We're going to try and figure out USC and UCLA and, um, I don't know, maybe take some questions.